Podcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the city of innovation, education, and of course, Fenway Park, this is TI Clergy Corner, a weekly podcast that brings you timely, insightful, and impactful weekly sermons. In this episode, we'll hear a live recording of Rabbi Susie Jacobson's Rosh Hashanah sermon, delivered on Monday, September 30th, 2019, entitled, Is Your Suffering Dear to You? A Conversation on Suffering, Community, and the Human Condition. This summer at Temple Israel, we spent most Friday nights, not in here or in Levy, but celebrating Shabbat in the garden. It was beautiful. Soft grass, shady trees, the cool breeze of several fans Rabbi Zecher placed around the garden. And before the Shema, every week, the clergy invited us to close our eyes, take a deep breath, sink into the silence so we could hear traffic. (laughs) And in this neighborhood, often, what we did hear was the piercing wail of an ambulance siren or the overwhelming whoosh of the medical helicopter. If this were a suburban congregation, or rural even, we might close our eyes and hear birds or maybe cicada at night. We might consider prayer to be a vacation, a refuge, a moment to put down the real and immerse in the ideal. But here, We are blessed to always know just where we are, surrounded here by so much life. Health and illness, joy and suffering, hope and anguish. When we pray, we don't separate ourselves from life, we submerge ourselves. So with every passing ambulance or helicopter, our hearts flicker even for the briefest moment towards that unknown person on the gurney. But the truth is that we don't need a siren to recognize suffering. Here, sitting next to us in their room, in this room, there is pain. Sometimes it's easier to pray for that unknown person, the patient, the doctor, the caregiver, than it is to share and acknowledge the pain we each carry, to turn to our fellow and say, this is who I am. There is so much life in this room. I see parents and children, grandparents, friends, strangers, my students, my teachers, leaders of this community, past and present, newcomers, and those who have been here for decades and generations. There are people here who chose Judaism and people who inherited Judaism, and we all are here and have shown up. But in a crowd, it's hard to really see the other. We can't easily recognize the person with the invisible disability or a chronic illness who struggled just to show up this morning. We don't see the person who is exhausted because they work full-time, parent full-time, care for a sick or struggling loved one full-time. We don't see the person living with depression, anxiety, disordered eating, addiction who suffers in silence because when asked how they are doing, it is polite to just say, I'm fine. We don't see the person who mourns, but is no longer invited to stand first for Kaddish. The person for whom grief is complicated or ambiguous. The person who hears the sound of that shofar and yearns deeply for their spouse, their child, their sibling, their friend. I am reminded of a beautiful and very complicated story in the Talmud. We are taught 
that Rabbi Eliezer was once ill, and his teacher, Rabbi Yochanan, came to visit him. When the teacher enters and sees his student lying alone in a dark room, Rabbi Yochanan exposes his arm, lifts his sleeve, and light radiates throughout the room, filling the house. He now sees that Rabbi Eliezer is weeping, and he asks, why are you crying? Are you crying because you did not study enough Torah? No, says Rabbi Eliezer. Are you crying because you're poor and you lack food? Not everyone can be wealthy. No, says Rabbi Eliezer. Are you crying over children who have died? I have lost children, I understand. No, says Rabbi Eliezer. I'm not crying over those misfortunes. I weep because all light fades into darkness and all beauty eventually rots. Rabbi Yochanan took a breath and he recognized the deep depression that his student was feeling. And he responded, yes, that is certainly a reason to weep. And they sat and cried together. Rabbi Yochanan continued and he asked his fellow, is your suffering dear to you? Rabbi Eliezer responds, neither the suffering nor its outcome. And Rabbi Yochanan hearing this says, give me your hand. So Rabbi Eliezer takes his hand, allows him to help him out of bed, and he is healed. There's so much to learn from this story. Rabbi Yochanan embodies our practice of Bikor Cholim, visiting the sick. When he enters into Rabbi Eliezer's darkness and desperation, it's his very body, his physical presence that shines light. They weep together. Yochanan is able to meet Eliezer face to face in his pain. Tradition teaches us that when we visit in this way, when we truly show up, when we listen, when we acknowledge another person's reality, we are capable of taking away 1 60th of their pain. We cannot cure, but we can bring compassion, and compassion brings healing. But from, from Rabbi Yochanan, we also learn what not to do. When he sees a student crying, he's determined to know why, like it's his business, and he makes assumptions. You didn't learn well, you're poor. You suffered personal losses. But that's not where Rabbi Eliezer was. In this version of, don't be sad, everything's okay, I'll tell you how to get better, Rabbi Yochanan forgets to actually ask Rabbi Eliezer what he needs. He at first does not realize that his presence is precious, not his Torah. When Rabbi Yochanan asks, asks is your suffering dear to you? Eliezer is only released from darkness when he is ready and when he is surrounded with someone who he knows sees him. The Talmud doesn't advocate for a God heals, heals all wounds theology, nor do the rabbis reject medicine. They have lots of theories about potions and, and, and illnesses. But instead, the Talmud wants to teach us, to help us understand that each of us, great and humble, big and small, have an important role to play in supporting each other through life's tribulations. Is your suffering dear to you? The Talmud wants to teach us to say no, to follow the Deuteronomist and choose life, choose a tradition that encourages us to search for blessing and connection rather than staying in self-pity or shame. But isn't that difficult? Isn't that maybe too much to ask? Is your suffering dear to you? What if sometimes the answer is yes? What if suffering can be a memento, a cherished reminder or of a current or past experience, something you're just not quite ready to let go of yet? 
In grief, suffering is evidence that you loved. And in pain, suffering is evidence that you live in a fragile, mortal body. Suffering is dear to me. Suffering is a teacher. The Greek playwright Aeschylus called this pathemathos, learning from adversity, the wisdom that arises from our personal suffering. And my teacher, my rabbinical school dean, Rabbi Sharon called Anisvel, would roll her eyes and say this is called another growth opportunity. Personal loss is, though, so often the genesis of true learning. In the Torah, each of our biblical forebears struggle with their own insecurities, failures, and losses. They are all these imperfect people on these amazing, impossible tasks to fulfill God's will. Each of them are sort of set up to fail. Abraham is asked to leave all he knows, his parents' home, separate permanently from his childhood and his family, to travel to a foreign land and to accept God. And then Joseph gets thrown in a pit by the people he's supposed to be protected by. He ends up in jail and then in exile. And today in our Haftarah, Chana watches everyone around her give birth to healthy children as she mourns her empty womb. Their suffering is for a time dear. It is their story. It is their guide and teacher. Abraham bravely travels that lonely road so that one day he merits that covenant. And Joseph endures that lonely pit so that he may rise to become a great leader. And Hannah's infertility teaches her how to pray. And she gives birth to one of the greatest leaders in Israel. In each story, our characters struggle and then are lucky enough to heal. They learn and change, but when they're ready, they put that suffering down. They move into a new narrative. Eventually, their suffering no longer serves them, neither as teacher nor memento. The anthropologist Clifford Gertz writes, as a religious problem, the problem of suffering is paradoxically not how to avoid suffering, but how to suffer, how to make physical pain, personal loss, worldly defeat, something bearable, supportable, something, as we say, sufferable. And in Buddhism, the first noble truth is that suffering is a part of human life. And the fourth noble truth is that freedom from suffering is achieved through Buddhism. Unfortunately, we are Jewish, and there's no such luck. Freedom from pain sounds fantastic, but Judaism offers no promise. Sorry. Suffering and pain are as intrinsic to the human experience as breathing from the moment Adam and Eve leave that garden. And our tradition, it offers no magic elixir, no philosophical or spiritual bomb, no freedom from the human condition. Instead, Judaism does something harder, but perhaps deeper. Judaism teaches us that the only way to make suffer, suffering sufferable is to remember that we aren't alone, that we have a community that is responsible for us, and we are responsible for that part community. In Talmud Ta'anit, a person is told that if others in their community are suffering or in pain, they are not permitted to enjoy themselves. No parties unless you recognize the feelings of the other. Your suffering is dear to me. Instead of ignoring our fellow or insisting they must vacate sorrow and grief in favor of whatever feeling we think is most appropriate, Judaism calls us to sit down and bear witness to their pain, to be with them, 
to listen, to try to understand. In a recent TED Talk, journalist David Brooks took a break from his usual topics and shared his own story of pain. He understood his own loneliness and his own suffering in the context of a cultural epidemic. He shared, I was detached, and at the same time, a lot of other people were detached and isolated and fragmented from one another. 35% of Americans over 45 are chronically lonely. Only 8% of Americans report having meaningful conversation with their neighbors. Only 32% of Americans say they trust their neighbors. The fastest growing political party is unaffiliated. The fastest growing religious movement, unaffiliated. Depression rates are rising, mental health problems are rising. Life expectancy is falling, not rising. Brooks calls this a social and relational crisis, marked by increased fragmentation, isolation, and extreme loneliness. And he believes the answer for all of us is that we need to stop suffering in silence we need to learn how to be honest, and most importantly, we need to relearn how to connect with other human beings. Brooks believes that this seemingly simple thing of making friends and being in community is actually one of the hardest things we can do as human beings. He thinks that the way into this is actually not revolutionary, but relies on our own observation and connections. We need to learn from the people who are already good at this, people who intrinsically know how to connect and make others feel seen. He calls these people weavers, people who are capable of creating, of weaving together the fabric of human community in order to help other people connect. You are here because you are part of the Temple Israel community. And in this community, though not perfect, we have some incredible teachers to learn from. We have the TI Cares Army of Kindness, currently led by Remy Danziger and Andy Lesser Gonzalez, who show up powerfully with words and meals for those who struggle with illness or suffer loss. We have so many people who write beautiful cards in times of joy and sorrow, show up at funerals and shivas, sometimes with cookies, and make it a point to show others how much they matter every day. As someone who has experienced both loss and new birth in the past few years, I can tell you that I have a drawer full of letters from you, from the community, because people here make it a point to show up. And we have leaders here. We have clergy like Kander Einhorn and Rabbi Zecker, whose holy work is rooted in decades of relationship and support for the members of this community. This is what Temple Israel is about and should be about. Our world is full of so much pain right now, political pain, cultural pain, personal pain. But here we have the opportunity to do something that is countercultural, to build a community that is sweeter, deeper, more loving than the polarized, pained world around this. For us to do something that is not in the headlines, to create a community where we truly turn to one another and care and see and relate and know far more than, than pleasantries. In a moment, 
we move to one of the most complicated prayers in our tradition, the Unatana Tokef. Who will live and who will die? Who will be serene and who will be troubled? Who will be tranquil and who will be tormented? But perhaps these aren't the only questions we can ask. Perhaps they're not even the right questions for us this year. Perhaps we should ask these questions. Who will heal? Who will reach out for healing? Who will listen? Who will find a voice to speak? Who will love? And who will learn that they matter? When Rabbi Yochanan enters Rabbi Eliezer's darkness, he brings light and patience and compassion. And only then, when asked if suffering is dear to him, is Rabbi Eliezer capable of moving beyond pain to a place of healing and hope. For so many of us, suffering lingers. Serious illness, unimaginable loss, trauma, tragedy. Suffering is a part of what makes us human, and in all too many cases, it's not something that is easily taken from our lives. But when we deeply connect with compassionate community, when we see one another, when we sit with one another, our suffering finds a measure of healing, of beauty, and love, even if only one sixtieth of a percent. This year, May our healing be contagious. May we prioritize a community where every person matters, where we take the time to sit and visit with those who are in pain. And may we all find sweetness, growth, and joy in this coming year. Shana Tova, may you find happiness and health in this coming year. It is so sweet to be with you this morning. Thanks for listening to TI Clergy Corner. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll visit our website, www.tisrael.org slash clergycorner, which includes resources used by the clergy. This has been a Temple Israel of Boston production. Join us next time for another episode of TI Clergy Corner.